This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Rob Carbone coming at you with another episode of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Um, hope everybody's doing all right tonight or this morning as you're listening to this. It should be May 21st on a uh, Jesus Christ. I don't even know the days of the week anymore, guys. Isn't that terrible? <clears throat> I've actually lost track of the days of the week. It's really bad, but um, hope everybody's all right. You know, I'm I'm still hanging in there. You know, took a break last night. Um, didn't put out an episode, but you know, here and there, I will take breaks. But for the most part, during this quarantine, I'm trying to stay busy every day. You know, at the very very, um, you know, if I do take take a day. That'll be an occasional day, you know. I, I'm trying to, to put out an episode every night or every other night at the worst. So uh, <laughs> trying to stay active and stay busy with the podcast. <laughs> um, but we're kind of running out of talent here with these, you know, second round prospects, these late first round prospects. You know, we're, we're heading on our, I don't know, we're kind of getting close to 20-something individuals that we've picked apart so far. So I'm hoping that you know, I'm thinking sometime within the next, I would say, don't, you know, hold me to my word on this. It's just an estimate, but I want to say sometime between the next three or four prospects after that, we'll start heading upwards towards, you know, the, uh, the more exciting lottery picks. So tonight we're going to dive into Patrick Williams. Um, you know, we're going to talk about him a lot. There's been some talk about this kid, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna dive into a lot about him, about Patrick Williams. Um, but there has been a little bit more, um, you know, going around, I guess, in the in the uh, in the uh, the headlines, you know, around social media. We've heard a bunch of shit with the Knicks. Um, a little more of this unnecessary bullshit that I don't even know why I'm gonna bring up. Drama with with uh, Oakley and Ewing. I don't even want to drag Ewing into this because it's really just Oakley um, stirring up his own pot of drama here. But yeah, it was a couple days ago. Charles Oakley on Barstool Radio you know, said something. I have it quoted. Let me uh, find it real quick. Uh, here it is. He said, Charles Oakley on Patrick Ewing on Barstool Radio the other day quoted this. He says, people want to say he had a 23-10 career. Referring to Patrick Ewing. 
It's not about just scoring points. I mean, we give him the ball 25 times a game. He should score. I mean, do I really need to pick apart how stupid that sounds, how stupid that is to say? First of all, it's unnecessary. You know, I think, um, you know, I'm no psychologist or anything, therapist or whatever, but I think, I honestly think Oakley is bored. He has nothing to do. He he just wants attention right now, and, and I think that's that's inside his mind. That's what's going on. Um, I really, I don't want to talk about that because I feel like it's stupid. It's unnecessary. And it's the reason people laugh at the Knicks, right? You've got teammates who, who you know, were part of a an almost successful Knicks team in the 90s, um, you know, going head to head. And it's not even you. Again, it's all Oakley just, just being a jackass. Um, so that, that happened. And that, you know, he kind of just... It's like every couple of days, every once or twice a week, he, he comes up with something else to, to bash uh, Ewing with. So it, it just makes no sense to me. It's like, dude, this guy went out there. And the funny thing about you know, what he said, he said he's not just about scoring points. People call him a 20 and 10 guy. <laughs> 20 and 10, I mean, when you're getting rebounds, that just it's not just about sc- Rebounds are points, guy. I mean, rebounds you know shows that he wasn't just a one-dimensional offensive weapon. <laughs> so. Yeah, but some legitimate, um, uh, I feel like I'm, where am I? Okay. Some legitimate news, um, that we've received lately, you know, more actual news that people care about, um, the Knicks, we obviously heard about the Walt Perrin hiring, um, but the day after, right, the very next day we hear that the Knicks went and, um, they hired some guy by the name of Frank Zanin. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know too much about Frank Zanin and uh, and even Walt Perrin. But, you know, like I said, it's good. You know, it's it's positive. For, right off the bat, it's a slight positive more than it is anything else. It shows you that Leon Rose and the New York Knicks are being proactive, if anything, right? I mean, they had the, I don't know, was it a couple months back when they signed Brock Aller? Is it Aller? Um, you know, to take care of their finances and and be their cap management guy. Then you know they they re-signed Scott Perry as the GM. You know, and, and obviously that's fifty fifty split uh, amongst the Nick fan base, but it happened. They're they're being active. Then they went and got Perrin the other day to kind of be their draft manager, right? Assist Perry, um, and then you know Zanin, another guy who's going to assist Perry as one of the assistant GMs and kind of be in charge of. Uh, Personnel being a, a pro personnel guy was the exact uh, word words. So yeah, I mean it's it's listen, it's good to see them hiring some folks and obviously bringing in you know two or three new guys is going to lead to some exits you know some jobs lost from some other guys and and uh, that's another report that uh, Stephen Bundy put out saying that uh, it's not official yet but you know it's likely that. Three executives in that front office are not returning, and those executives include Craig Robinson, Gerald Madkins, and Harold Ellis. So I don't know who they are, but I've heard a little bit about Robinson. But, you know, three guys who, sure, get them the hell out of there. The front office obviously had no clue what they were doing anyway. What I wanted from the start, and it seems like what we're getting is is as much of a restart as we can up there. And that's that's a positive. It's a step in the right direction. Now, obviously, actions speak louder than words, and we're going to have to eventually see 
how these guys, you know, put together a respectable product or if they can even do that. So we have to wait, but it's good to see them making something happen. You know, I would rather them take this small market approach they're doing than try to do something, you know, risky and, you know, high risk, high reward type of thing. I think given their current situation, right, a losing team trying to find a way to rebuild, this should be the way to go about it. This should be what they're doing. But, yeah. Um, about Zanin, I did do a little bit of research. Really couldn't find much, um, although I know he's been in the NBA since 1999. He's had a job there. Um, he actually played high school ball with Kobe, and you know, Kobe tweeted a couple of nice things about him, which you know, everyone's flipping out about. Cool. Um, but you know, Zanin was an executive with the Thunder and the Nets um, for his 20 seasons in the NBA. You know, so you know, on top of the Perrin Jazz thing, you know, Jazz being a competable, a competent franchise, Zanin's coming from another solid franchise with the Thunder. So, you know, somebody who has a high basketball, basketball, a high basketball acumen, right? These two guys have kind of been praised around the league for for being good uh, executives, I guess. So we'll see what happens there. That's really, you know, not much excitement in that. In that aspect, but yeah, why is this um? Fuck. Huh. I I don't know why this is uh frozen. I get caught up looking at the camera so much that I almost never um realize that I missed the entire video that was supposed to be playing. Sorry, guys, but it's it's just like a 20-second clip anyway. But um, we are going to head to break anyways. And when we get back, we're going to discuss Patrick Williams from Florida State. Uh, played for the Seminoles for one, and se- one season. He was a one-and-done at school. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the, uh, for the intro here. So let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. And we'll, we'll start our little uh, show. All right. Hey fellas, really quick, I just want to remind you, in order to subscribe to BD4, to subscribe to my blog, and to follow me on social media, all you have to do is go to my website. That's it. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, that is ny sports talk rc dot wordpress dot com forward slash connect once there guys that will display all of my information where to subscribe to the podcast how to subscribe to my blog and where to follow me on social media guys thank you so much and let's get back to the show As a combo forward out of uh, Florida State, 
uh, you know, playing for the Seminoles. So I think Patrick Williams is a, an interesting prospect at the very least. Very intriguing, at least to me. Some people are, are very high on him, actually, you know, higher than I thought. But, you know, I, I would take my chance with this kid if he were to fall, you know, late. Um, I really don't know because, uh, you know, he seems like some people are saying there's a chance he gets picked late lotto. And some folks are saying there's a chance he gets picked um, late first round. So I think he's definitely going to be a first round pick. Um, the, the question just becomes what pick are, will he be available at? You know, if the Knicks were to, you know, be interested in him, my hope is that he would be available late. You know, I would not want to waste my lotto pick on a Patrick Williams. And I'm not sure I want to trade up for him either with that second pick. Um, I, I still think he's an intriguing prospect. He's a combo forward. Um, combo forward, 6'8", 225 pounds, a 6'11", wingspan, very large wingspan, uh, 18 years old. Doesn't turn 19 until August, so very young, likely to be a project, but a younger the better, um, you know, who played in the ACC for the Seminoles. Uh, this past season, his only season, he was a one-and-done. Uh, he played 29 games, did not start. 29 games off the bench where he received 23 minutes of action a night and average, you know, the numbers aren't overwhelming, but he averaged nine points, four rebounds. I just spit and one assist um, doing so on 46% from the field, 50% from two, 32% from three and 84% from the free throw stripe. Um, did this all on a volume of 7.1 field goal attempts per game. 1.73 point attempts and 2.6 free throw attempts. Um, one steal per game, one block per game, 1.7 turnovers, 1.6 personal fouls. And if you like, you know, if you stretch the numbers out uh, per 40 minutes, that goes to 16 points, seven rebounds, two assists, okay, and a 19.4 player efficiency rating overall. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a first round pick. It just it's where in the first round that's the big question. Um, now, as for him as an NBA player, I would say high end rotational player would be the likely outcome. Um, but if he ends up peaking out and everything goes as we like, there's a chance he could be a low end starter, somebody who could be a solid option to start um, for you know um, a not as good NBA team like the Knicks. <laughs> Um, now I've heard a couple of comparisons and honestly, all the comparisons that I've been hearing, I don't hate, I, I think there've been some decent comparisons. Um, I've heard Markeith Morris and that honestly is a very solid comparison. You know, a good deep, you know, we're going to get into his, his, you know, aspects in a sec, but I've heard Marquise, Markeith Morris. Um, I've heard a younger Kawhi Leonard, you know, a Kawhi Leonard before he, you know, his first like four seasons before his offense fully developed. I think that's more what you're going to get with Patrick uh, Williams. I've also heard Al Farouk Aminu. That one I probably don't agree with as much as I do the former two, but I see it at least in his like his Portland days, right before he left. And um, was he traded or did he leave? I don't know, but. He, you know, he was he was a good player in Portland. I think is where he really peaked out. Um, and you know, my personal comparison here, 
for Patrick Williams is is what we hoped or what we eventually hoped to get, all depending on where you stand with Kevin Knox, right? Kind of a guy who, you know, has that same type of um has or had, all depending on your stance, but that same type of skill set where we, we hoped he would thrive um with, with what he can do. Um but Patrick Williams is a I would say he's a versatile pick and roll combo forward with a three and D upside, right? More of a toolsy eye test kind of guy with solid athleticism and solid size. You know, they're, they're, you're going to hear the word potential and upside thrown around a lot tonight. You'll probably hear that just because he's kind of a player that you kind of have to watch. He seems like a system player type, a player who's going to play within the scheme and doesn't really force himself or force the action, you know, unnecessarily or go his own route too often. That, that's kind of where the Kawhi Leonard comparison comes in. Somebody who played, you know, earlier in his career, at least before he became a superstar, um, you know, somebody who plays within a system and doesn't shy away, go far two way. Uh, he doesn't go too far one way or another. So this could also make a good young trade chip. You know, he, again, I mentioned he's an intriguing prospect to many. So, Maybe the Knicks take this pick and and they they you know they they um advertise him and you know, a little bit and see what they can get you know you can put him in a package deal and, and try to attract some uh, you know a bigger name. But let's get into his game a little bit. You know we'll start with the defense because that's one thing a lot of people like about him his defense and his intangibles. Um, we mentioned he's got good size, um, good length, good strong frame. Good athleticism, an energetic motor, very high motor, um, and, and just overall good instincts for the game. You know, he can defend very versatilely. I would say eventually, um, if he improves, you know, year to year, uh, you know, once he starts to groom in the NBA, there's a chance that he could be able to play anywhere from the two, sliding up all the way to the five. I, I would say that's, 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 um, possible and honestly guys that's very invaluable to an nba team to be able to play so many positions like that and defend so many positions is just indispensable so you know some of his great um traits defensively just a great weak side defender an excellent help side shot blocker um a guy who will gamble in the passing lanes and go for that steal um, and, and kind of be successful at it. Uh, he's a switchable defender, too, because of that size. And, and plus, over at uh, Florida State, they're a very, very good defensive team. They, they had a very switch-heavy you know, scheme where they would force the drive and, and they would switch very often. So I think he's going to be switchable in the NBA, not going to cause issues there. Um, and he uses his length to really contest on both, uh, you know, on all areas defensively. He can contest on the perimeter with that length and he will be able to defend the interior as well. He will use his energy again, that high motor to attack aggressively on the offensive glass. Lots of times we see him follow up a shot going right to the rim to try to crash the boards. Um, and, and that's very, uh, you know, again, something we really wanted to see out of Knox more, uh, defensively. He also, um, going back to D he rotates well all around the floor. He can rotate, he slides his feet pretty well. Um, he's got some decent vertical bursts as well, so he'll be able to have some pop in the paint defensively and get up there. Now, offensively, I think you know this is more of a potential thing than than right now. 
Um, there's an upside for him to be a decent three level scorer. <clears throat> um, you know, he, he's solid, not great yet, but a solid finisher. Um, at least he was at FSU where he shot 56% at the rim. Now you would like for that to be a little higher with his size. And, uh, we're going to get to that in a second, but, um, yeah, a solid 56%, you know, he's shown flashes too to really finish with either hand and finish in traffic too. So there's been some flashes. He's had some nice finishes at the rim and it's just not been consistent yet. Um, and again, very Knox like you're going to find a lot of these things I say relate to Knox, you know, whether it be what we hope to see or what we occasionally see with Knox and what we, you know, things like, you know, a lot of things here relate to Knox and, um, 32% this past season from three point distance, um, not great, but there are some indicators here that he could eventually have an upside as a, as a shooter. Um, the good free throw percentage kind of indicates an upside, right? 84%, um, not a bunch of attempts, but 62 for 74 specifically, you know, kind of a decent indicator. And then you look at, he's got a, a high, very high unblockable, um, smooth release too. So. Hopefully one day, you know, he could become a 35% shooter from downtown, which would be league average. So, um, you know, so a good finishing ability, a good three-point shot. And I would I would say his mid-range shot is really his best weapon right now offensively. Um, he's a great mid-range shooter. Uh, he could pull up and he can shoot off the catch. He was over 40% in the mid-range this season. He was 50% or 51% on long twos, so... You know, he's very effective in that area. Um, he likes he likes to go right a ton. He's exceptional at going right and, and pulling up. But he's pretty comfortable going left, too. He'll pull up fairly comfortably going to his left as well. But I would say he's more right, predominantly right. Um, and he was also ranked in the 73rd percentile when it comes to pull-up jumpers at points per possession, um, which is very good. Um, but, yes, he's got a decent catch-and-shoot ability, too. You know, most of his possessions actually came up, um, came off of spotting up. Uh, I think 84% of his play types were, were uh, 84, I'm sorry, 84 uh, possessions were of the catch and shoot play type spotting up. And he was pretty decent as a spot up guy, averaging 0.79 points per possession. That was about average in the, uh, in the NCAA. Um, so he's got some catch and shoot ability, which, you know, hopefully that leads to becoming a good pick and pop guy. Because he's very good in the pick and roll. Very good scorer, ball handler, passer in the pick and roll. Um, actually, I have another number here. He ranked 89th percentile in terms of points per possession as a ball handler in PNR. Now, it was low volume, but it was still very productive. Um, only 24 possessions, but again, he still did rank um, in the 89th percentile. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll take advantages, really. As a ball handler and pick and roll, he'll take advantages of every mismatch he gets. And, you know, that's pretty pretty skillful for a big. Um, now he's a good passer there, too. He's got the vision. He's got the floor awareness. He'll make the good reads, can make the drive and kick pass. He'll make the timely roll passes, skip passes, cross-court passes, you know, off-dribble passes, downhill passing, live-action passes with his non-dominant hand. He can do that, too. He's very skillful as a passer in PNR. All very impressive for a four, and really just impressive for an 18-year-old kid, guys. So, 
Um, pick and roll ability, shooting ability, finishing ability, defensive intangibles, and and off ball ability too. Offensively, he can find the gaps when he's cutting, and he's a very good cutter, scoring in the 70th percentile um, in terms of points per possession this past season. So, those are really his strengths. Um, now he's got some weaknesses too that we've got to think about. Um, of course, everybody's got a weakness, but he's got quite a few that make you wonder how great will he become. But you know, everybody's got some. Um, the first thing I have here is in no particular order, but his finishing still does need some work. Again, we talked about this. Um, he should be a little better in terms of his percentage in the ERA, just due to his height, his length, you know, his his big hands. Um, but he finishes low too often. He's not always finishing above the rim. Um, and he, he's just inconsistent, um, especially on the drive. You'll see him lean into contact too much and a lot of times he'll use his left shoulder to kind of generate contact and try to create space too. Um, so that can, you know, be a little bit reckless there. Um, and, and we mentioned the switch heavy, you know, scheme that FSU uses, um, trying to force drives a lot. And that, that worked for him. You know, he was very switchable, but it also at the same time kind of, kind of masked his inability to stay in front of um, the opposing ball handlers on defense. So. Something to look out for as he enters the league. Um, the athleticism is solid, but it still can improve um, because, you know, it still leads you to believe that you know, is he athletic enough to play the three or is, you know, does he have the size and strength to play the four? He's a bit of a tweener right now. Another Knox issue that we're having with Knox right now. He's a bit of a tweener. You know, is he strong or, or big enough to play the four? Is he quick enough to play to slide down to the three? Um you know, he's kind of got slow feet and slow hips, which will hurt him, you know, once he lands on a closeout and, you know, that will kind of lead to a blow-by on the dribble penetration from the opposing um, shooter. And he's just going to struggle with that lack of top-end athleticism in space a lot, especially on closeouts. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. He's going to have issues, you know, obviously one-on-one -on -one issues if he's going to play the quicker wings, right, versus guards. That's going to be something we have to, you know, I know he played an occasional um, two at, at Florida State. So, I don't know. What, what is his true position, guys? I really, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see where uh, teams fit him and, you know, how the Knicks, if they do opt to draft him, how they're going to use them because we know damn well they're not great at kind of finding positions for players. They've experiment. They experiment a lot. They've experimented with Frank at the two. Um, they've experimented with RJ at the one. They've experimented with fucking. They put Knox at the as the starting shooting guard. You know, a couple of times. So they like to experiment. And you know, if they're going to draft someone like Patrick Williams, um, I almost said Patrick Ewing. <laughs> Um, if they're going to draft Williams, I, I would definitely expect the Knicks to, to experiment with him as well. So that's something to think about there. Um, another weakness I have here, he's still a bit of an inconsistent shooter. We mentioned that, um, not much of a movement shooter, not going to see him run through screens and, and really do anything like that. Um, he's kind of got a slow release on the jumper. The follow through is nice, but it's still a little bit slow at times. He can be a little stiff too when shooting it, um, you know, he, he'll make, he, he, he'll kind of force it, um, especially on a, on closeouts, he'll force it and try to rush his, his shot attempt. Um, and that leads to some pretty ugly misses, you know, 
when he gets late pressure coming at him, that's cause, and we've seen it. If you watch this kid, he's had several air balls. <laughs> so when he misses, it's at times it can be pretty ugly, right? And then he'll kind of try to force it at times. The pass kind of has to be right, right into his shot pocket if he wants to get it off cleanly and fundamentally sound. You know, sometimes if it's not exactly in the shooting pocket, not where he wants it to be, not clean, not accurate, he's going to have a different form to it. And, you know, that's why he's inconsistent as a shooter. He was actually just 27% after the new year um, from downtown. So he's going to have to find a way to become more consistent if he wants more playing time in the NBA, because that's obviously a big, um, you know, it's a big uh, part of part of the game today. You have to be able to shoot from beyond the arc. Um, and the last two things here I have that defensively, he's a little bit sloppy at times. The footwork isn't always clean. It's got to improve in terms of his footwork. Um, slow feet, kind of heavy footed at times, kind of needs time to load, you know, so he needs to improve there. And then he's a little indisciplined. Um, he'll fall for the fake quite a lot. So he just kind of needs to, that, that, that's something I think that can improve with age and experience experience you know he's only 18 years old so overall guys that's pretty much it with patrick williams um a solid player who i would not mind taking again um some decent comparisons morris aminu young leonard um and you know what we hoped or hope to get out of kevin knox one day so i think you know as a versatile combo forward who has an ability to play the pick and roll which is heavily relied on today's game as you know an upside for shooting which is heavily relied on and can play defensively both inside and out which is heavily relied on in today's league that's big to me i i would i would definitely draft someone like patrick williams it's just all going to come down to when he does get picked is he going to be higher on the board lower on the board my hope is that he's available lower on the board so we could get him at his at our best value but that's that's going to be it uh, tonight, guys. Thank you so much for stopping by. Um, let me know what you think about Patrick Williams and, and how he could potentially fit or maybe not fit into this Knicks team and, and um, or what you just think his potential is as an NBA player. So let me know, guys, in the comments. And if you haven't subscribed to BD4, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Do so right now by going to my website. Go to nysportstalkrc.com dot wordpress.com forward slash connect guys thank you so much for stopping by episode 125 of bd4 (laughs) where there is no better way to get your yankees and nicks analysis um yeah then that's it that's that's all we got tonight uh the next show will be if it's not tomorrow it'll be the next day Uh, i'm trying to find we're kind of running out of prospects but again three or four more guys and we should be able to move on to the lottery Guys, thank you so much for coming by. Um, I'm your host, Rob Carbone, and I'm signing out. All right, ciao.